Okay, we have an impasse. It's a blockage. Okay, Ecclesiastes, if you have your Bible, and most of you will, Ecclesiastes chapter number nine. Uh, you, you may be feeling a little tired. Uh, I am. And uh, so I get it. And, uh, you know, three services today are good services, you know, really good services, encouraging. But uh, it is normal to have some physical weariness. Uh, watching a few heads drop every now and then, which only makes my head want to drop as well. So don't do that, but uh, we'll get through. Uh, it's uh, good to be here. Just this one night for me, uh, we're about to uh, head back to Thailand, Suzanne and Joshua and I. Uh, we'll head back to the work there. Uh, the work is going well. And, uh, we, you know, people are getting saved. Uh, that still matters to God. You know, you, you'd think Christians would never lose sight of that, but, but actually they do. Because, because the other things in life so batter you, uh, you know, you just, sometimes you're just trying to survive. Uh, and you can lose sight of what really matters. But if you were to ask the Lord tonight, what, what really matters to you, what he would most likely say is that uh, I'm about to come back, uh, the Holy Spirit is going to be withdrawn, he will not be here like he is now, you're at a last, last call to go out there and tell people because there's still people out there, I want them in before I come. And that's, uh, that's all over the world. And that, that's what really, really matters to God. Now, you matter to God and what you feel matters to God. And I know he cares about that. And I'm not minimizing your distresses or your, you know, whatever you might be feeling. But sometimes we just have to remind ourselves of what really is important, what really matters to God. And enlist yourself in that cause, by the way whatever you can do. Tell others, pray for missionaries, pray for those who are going out. Uh, don't lose your message because the message is not dependent on you, it's dependent on the Lord. So don't worry how you're feeling or what's going on with you. It doesn't change the truth of the gospel. Just, just get it out and tell people. And uh, so, you know, I'm glad to report that people are getting saved uh, uh, in a increasing way more than before and we've noticed that when we have forward steps we usually get attacked by the devil and when we get attacked by the devil we don't actually see the devil but 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 something the devil is using attacks us does that make sense he's the hand behind it but it'll come from different directions and that's how it works and uh, so we we get that as well as uh, everybody does but the lord is blessing the work uh, and I'm thankful for everything that God is doing there. And uh, please continue to pray. Please support missions. You know, I get up here tonight and sort of labour missions and I won't get to anything else. But, but every Christian should be giving to missions. It's just, you just should. And uh, you just should be, you know, you, 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 you pick the way you do that and whatever, but, but channel it through the local church. But every Christian should be engaged in helping to support people 
who are in other places preaching the gospel to people who've absolutely never heard. I mean, never, never, not within cooey of a little bit have heard. Never heard. Nothing on TV. Nobody's ever told them at work. Never seen anything. Absolutely have never heard. Haven't even heard that they could say, no, I don't want to do that. Haven't even heard that they could say, well, I don't want to believe. I don't think that's true. They absolutely have never heard. And, uh, and there are many people out there. I, I, I wish there were thousands of missionaries going out to places to tell people how to get saved, but they're not. They're, they're, there's more coming home than have ever are going out. Uh, the numbers are decreasing. That should mean if the churches are doing okay, we have more money to help the ones that are there. We shouldn't be going back. We need to be, we need to be you know, praying that the Lord send laborers, but, but don't neglect missions and don't rely on somebody else to have to stir you up about missions. Stir yourself up. Uh, don't, don't say, well, you know, the pastor didn't mention it. I don't know he does, but the pastor didn't mention anything about that and for the last few months, we, you know, you, you stir yourself up and, uh, and do it for the Lord. So uh, Ecclesiastes, I'm going to read two verses from uh, chapter 9 and, uh, and then I'm going to, I'll tell you the, the, the subject I want to speak on and then uh, give you some thoughts and wrap it up. Verse number 10 and verse number 11. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favour to men of skill, but time and chance happeneth to them all. So that will be our text or our beginning text. And I want to speak on the subject tonight, something I've never spoken on. This is a new message. I prayed and believe God directed me to this for tonight. I may well take it back and preach it in some form in Thailand. I don't know. But I want to address the subject tonight on Uh, What decides how much you get from God in life? What, 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 what is, how does that work? What, what is the thing that will decide what you get from God in your life? And, uh, and I don't know I could have preached this when I was first starting in the ministry. I, I, I probably would have had a go. And, uh, and I'm, I, might have, I might have been, you know, a little bit there, I don't know. But there's just something about, you know, being in the ministry and living life and uh, getting to this uh, age of life where you look back over many decades and, uh, of uh, serving the Lord and of being in different countries and so you see different cultures and, and uh, you see lots and lots of churches. I've had a chance to do that and... And, uh, and I've noticed, and, uh, and it's a biblical truth, uh, I've noticed that there are some people that just get way more from God than other people. 
Now, you might think God's a communist and he just has to give everybody the same, you know, because that's what you'd do if you were God. And, uh, and, and we're glad that you, uh, he is and you're not, if you don't mind. But, but uh, you know, that's how people think. Well, if I was God, uh, well, you're not, you know. But, but uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't work that way with the Lord actually at all. And uh, there are a lot of things, by the way, that we can just think and they sound like, you know, uh, noble concepts, but they may be actually quite contrary to how God works. And so how do you know what is of the Lord and what isn't? Well, the Bible is, is your key here because the Bible is the Word of God or, or the Bible is God's words, right? All of them that, that he wanted us to have. So when you read the Bible, you're hearing what God says about something and that gets forgotten because we talk about the Bible sort of as a book or a holy book or a religious book and, and, you know, I'm sure everyone loves their Bible but sometimes we actually forget what it is we're holding and we actually forget who it is who said that. And when you sort of really realise who's talking, that settles everything. That just, that just settles everything. Once I understand what it says, well, that's the end of the matter. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what the majority think. It doesn't matter if 99.9% think something. God has said some things and everything God says is true and it is truth. And if you'd believe that, you'd probably be doing some things different in your life. But what we tend to do, we tend to say the Bible is like a spiritual book that I gravitate to when I want to be spiritual, but, but all the other areas of my life, I go to other sources. It was a, it was a bit like when Jesus said to, to Peter, who's a professional and, you know, uh, uh, no doubt generations of family fishermen will, will go out in the daytime and, and, you know, let down your nets. I'm sure Peter was possibly thinking, well, listen, we've just heard you preach a great sermon from my boat and I don't think anyone would argue you'd be one of the best rabbis we've ever heard in this area. And I don't, I don't doubt that Peter questioned Christ's credentials for spiritual teaching. But when Jesus said, go out and let down your nets for a catch of fish, the fisherman is going to be thinking, we don't do that. We fish at night. Because in this lake, uh, the fish all go down during the day because of the heat. And nobody catch, they're not, they're not there through the day. And there was kind of like a, it wasn't a protest, but it was sort of like, well, you know, we've already done this, but nevertheless at thy word. And Peter discovered that Jesus wasn't just a great preacher, Jesus was a great fisherman. He wasn't just an expert on God, he was an expert on catching fish. All right, so let's go further. He's an expert on medicine. He's an expert on mental health. He's an expert on money. He's, he's an expert on psychological things. 
You see, he's not, he's not just an expert on how to get to heaven. He knows it all. He knows it all. And, and the subtlety and the holes we fall into is we sort of bypass God on so many things. And we don't, don't really believe what I just said. And uh, I don't know what we think. We, we might think it subconsciously. Well, it's an old book or, or, you know, I don't know what we think. It was written a long time ago or, or uh, yeah, yeah, the Bible, go read your Bible. I, I don't know what, what we think. But we miss the fact that this is the Word of God. And whatever He says, it's, it's a thousand million percent absolutely true and it's true whether you believe it or not and and you ignore what it says at your own peril and and you know when when you're not living what he's saying you're living what somebody else is saying and that doesn't go well or it might go a little bit well and a whole lot wrong I mean it's just messy but when you read the bible it's like God has said this and, and you ought to sort of approach it that way and stop and go, well, wow, you know, that's true because you said it is, but, but I didn't know it was. I, 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 wow, I never, I never thought that, but, but it is. And what happens is as you go on in the Christian journey and you keep pressing on for God despite all that happens, you do get towards the end and you look back and you say, you know, every, everything he said, it, it just worked just like he said. You know, I, 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 I tested this and, and when I did it his way, it worked just like he said. It's absolutely true. We have Bibles, but the devil has stolen our Bibles. You know, imagine you're searching everywhere for everything and, you know, heaven is weeping saying, it's right there before you. It's right there. You're stepping over it looking for solutions everywhere else. It's right there. I gave it to you. So that's what the Bible is. And you need to, you need to believe that because it's absolutely true. So what decides how much someone gets from God in this life? You know, the, the themes of gain and loss are all through the Bible. The Bible teaches about those who had and lost it. All right, they had, they had something and it was taken from them. And it talks about others who, who got increase and got gain. And, and it's themed all through the Bible. It's, it's there in parables, but it's, it's there in people's lives as well, even in the Old Testament. The themes of gaining and losing. And, uh, and God, God decides that. And what I'm going to give you tonight, this is something of one of my children came to me and said, uh, Dad, have you got a minute? Can you sit down? Uh, you give, give me 30 minutes. You know, you've been in this for a little while now. Can I just ask you, you talk, I'll listen. Can I just ask you to explain to me what are the factors that affect what somebody gets from God or doesn't get? How does, Dad, how does that work? And uh, this is basically what I would tell. 
I would, I would, I would explain that. So uh, when we talk about everybody getting the same, what we do get, we all get a start. And you might imagine or uh, envisage that we're all lined up uh, on, the, uh, on the beginning of the race. And it's the race of life or the race of Christ or however you want to call it. But we all, we all get a start. And, you, you know, I remember when I was at school, uh, I, I, I grew up around here. So I went to, I won't get into it all, but all, all my schools around here and everywhere I go, there's, you know, memories of everything, sports fields I played on and played for rugby league clubs that were just starting and soccer clubs that were just starting. And, you know, I remember at Brackenridge State School in year six when we had to go uh, swimming, you had to learn swimming. I hated swimming. And, uh, you know, we, we never had a pool at home. Well, only rich people had pools. And, uh, and, and so uh, our school never had a pool because only rich schools had pools. And uh, so we'd get a bus. The bus would pull up out the front on whatever afternoon it was or morning. And uh, you'd uh, follow with your grade and, if, you know, if, with your little towel and uh, your swimmers. You had to bring them to school. I tried everything. Oh, I forgot me swimmers. That's okay, we've got some spares, you'll, you'll go. I tried everything. Uh, well, I, I, for, I forgot me towel. Oh, don't worry, you can just come back wet. And uh, so nothing worked. I, I got sent every time and uh, hated it. But, you know, you go, you get in the bus. And back then you get in the bus and the bus driver would say, three to a seat. You can't do that anymore. Three to a seat, three to a seat. And if that didn't work, you'd say, four to a seat, four to a seat. And everybody would just jam in and, you know, that's just how it was. And, and so we'd get bussed across. It felt like the other side of the world, but where we were going was Zilmia State School because <laughs> Zilmia State School had a pool. And uh, so we'd go to Zilmia State School and we'd all get out of the bus and we'd go in for swimming. And, and you know, the swimming teachers were pretty barbaric back then. They, they just, you just, you know, I, I don't know, but... You just go back and, and they'd say, everybody, you know, get in five lines and you're all standing there, you know, you're in your little bathers and every, every, every kid's sort of skinny and, and you're just standing there and looking around and, and, uh, and you're in five lines and they'd say, okay, go down to the deep end and, and I thought the deep end was 100 feet deep. Honestly, I, I had fear and terror about the deep end. I was certain people went in the deep end and never came out. <laughs> I, I really was. And so you'd, you'd walk around to the deep end and the deep end had starting blocks. And, and you know, you'd step up onto these blocks and, and the idea was, so you'd get in a line and he'd say, okay, the first group. Nobody could swim, by the way. <laughs> no, nobody could swim. And uh, so you'd get up on the starting block at the deep end and... Uh, and then, you know, blow the whistle and everybody had to jump in and, you know, you'd just sink. And so you'd, you'd, you jumped in, ka-splash, and away you went. And then bubbles had come out and, you know, you'd sort of kick and flutter and whatever and, you know, mostly surfaced, eventually sort of get out. And, and the idea was you were, to, you were to come up and then you were to swim to the side and then get up the side and... And so we're in queue and I'm watching kids go off and I'm thinking, you know, it was just terrifying to me. I, I can't swim. You know, today I'm going to die for sure. This is it. And, uh, and I'm making my way up to the blocks and, 
and I'm just watching them go off and, you know, and, and get out the sides and, and uh, there's a boy in front of me and I still remember his name. His name was Michael Anderson and he was a skinny little, we all were, but a skinny little boy. He had red hair, curly red hair, lots of red freckles on him and Michael Anderson is in front of me and I'm behind him and uh, the idea is they go up and they jump and you wait for the whistle, the others had got out, then you would jump and so the group in front of me went in the water and Michael Anderson went in and, and I'm up on the blocks and just so terrified I didn't wait for the whistle, I jumped <laughs> while Michael was still under the water and I'm comforted that I'm not sinking. I'm, I'm, I'm about, you know, and I can pushing up something <laughs> and there's bubbles coming up everywhere <laughs> and uh, I clearly remember it and finally, you know, I, I, I got out to the side and I thought, oh, I made it. And uh, five minutes later, Michael Anderson comes out, he's coughing and spluttering and, and uh, you know, that was sport and, and, and back in my day, the fact of it was this, the... The, the talented kids won the races, you know, the, the strong kids won the fights, uh, the smart kids won at school and uh, it just seemed that it was that way and I was none of that. I was, I was average in my grades and uh, played lots of sport but just very average to probably below average and, uh, you know, I remember playing league, they just kept changing my position. And, uh, and I'm sure I was being elevated to be the orange boy. I was just on my way. But, but they keep moving me around. Maybe, and I'm sure they were thinking, maybe he'll go all right here. You know, I remember being, they put me to fullback, you know, rugby league, and the ball would go up. And, you know, the coach had told me to run and claim. And I'm going, mine! And the ball's coming down, and it just went straight down between my... And I just wasn't good. And, but that, that's... You know, that's how it was with sport. But what God is saying here is in the race of Christ and the race of life, that's not what decides the race. And that's a tremendous comfort. That's a tremendous comfort. Because when you start off on the beginning of that race and you look at some others, you can think, well, I'm not as strong as him. You know, and, and I'm, I'm not as smart as she is. And I, I don't have the talent they have and I don't have the parental support that they have. And, you, and you, can, you can always see all the reasons why, you know, you may not be as good as someone else. But I've learned with God, those things do not decide who wins the race. And, and I look back now over all the people I went to school with I drove back to my school, my, my, my high school, uh, a couple of years ago. It's nearby here. I drove back uh, on my own and I drove to the place where I remember on the last day of school in year 12 as I walked sort of up the school and finally got to the footpath and I was standing on the footpath with the, with the realisation that there was no more school to go to. Uh, Monday I wasn't going to be going to school School was now permanently over, but I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. And there was just a sense of fear and terror in my life that I don't know what's going to happen to me. Dad was an alcoholic, mum was doing her best. 
Uh, I grew up in the housing commission area of Brackenridge. Uh, no one had talked to me about what comes after school. Everyone was just trying to survive. And just that terror of I don't know what's going to happen to me and I don't even have school to go back to anymore. And so I, I drove back a couple of years ago and uh, went and stood in that exact same spot. And, and now we're talking some 45 years later. And, and I stood there and I reflected back over life and I wept. Because I realised, God, you were with me. You gave me success. You, you, you prospered me. You, you've given me a better life than anybody. I went to school here. And it was because of you. And, and it is that way with the Lord. We all start the same, but what will decide the race of Christ will not be, are you strong? Are you smart? You know, are you, are you better than someone else? Are you, are you more able? That's, that's, not, that's not the factors. That's not the factors. Because the things that decide what we get from God is things that everybody can do. Okay, and the, the first thing that will decide uh, what, what you get or what people get from the Lord is what I call alignment. And by that I mean your alignment with God. And I'll explain that. Now I've watched some, uh, you know, I, I'm a pastor and a missionary and so I particularly notice those things. But I've watched pastors and missionaries and people serving the Lord and I've seen them all over the world. I've been to many, many countries and watch people serving the Lord. And I've just noticed there are some people that just seem to get a whole lot more than some other people. It seems like wherever you put them, it's, it turns into blessing. And one, and one of the things that I've realised is this matter of alignment. And when we say alignment, we mean this. It's you aligning with God's will. And, we, and, 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 I'll, and I'll explain that further. God's will and God's person, who he is. When you get into alignment with that, you get into a place of blessing. And you, you've got to get into alignment with that to get the blessing. Now, now you, can, you can go through your whole life and be out of alignment, which doesn't mean you're on your way to hell. It doesn't mean you're not a good person. It just means you try to do everything your way. And you just have your own ideas about everything and you try to do everything your own way. And you're probably sincere or you wouldn't even try. But the blessing part comes to people who get into alignment with God. It's like a stream of blessing that's there. And so, so you, you've got to get into alignment with what God's will is, and I'll explain God's will, and you've got to get into alignment with God's person, and by that I mean uh, the way that he does things. Did you get that? How he does things. Because you have to do it how he does it to get the blessing. You've, you've, got, to, you've got to do what he would do in that, in that whatever you're doing or that situation. Or when people hate you. Or when they say things about you that are vile and untrue. Or, uh, or uh, when you love people and you find out they don't love you. I mean, all of that. All of that. 
Joe, Joshua's father, was listening to a sermon in the car with me. We were travelling in Thailand maybe three weeks ago. He has little head things in and he was listening to a sermon. We had about an eight-hour trip and uh, I was just sitting there and I could hear him. He's going, mmm, mmm. And then he stops it and he goes, you know what he just said? And I said, what did he say? He say, life will shut your mouth. I said, that's really true. Life will shut your mouth. You know, just live long enough and you stop gobbing off about things. Just live long enough and you stop telling everybody else what they're supposed to do. Because life will shut your mouth. You know, the people who talk about everything are the people who just haven't been beaten up enough yet with life. But the people who've been through it go real quiet. Real quiet. People who've been through it just, just suddenly tone it right down. And, and, and they're, not they're not quick to jump in with advice and life will shut your mouth. Boy, that's the truth. You have some kids and watch them grow up. And just, just, just go on the journey a little bit and you, you, you'll go quiet soon enough. And, uh, and so when all of this stuff starts to happen, it's what you do in all of that that has an effect on what comes to you. Now, Ephesians 2 and verse 10, which is another verse that, you know, we pass over maybe too quick. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says this, and I'm going to read it slow, deliberately. It says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus under good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So, so what are we? We are created. We're, we're created. He made you. He didn't just make Adam, he made you. You are his workmanship and you've been created unto certain works. Now, let me, let me say something that you should get if you get nothing else. We were not created to do our will. We were not created to do our will. And here's the problem. Every time you're doing, we do our will, we're out of that stream of blessing. See, we think, I live life my way for myself with my decisions and all of that, but I still got my Jesus and, and I pray and, and I thank God I'm not going to go to hell, I'm going to go to heaven. It's under the blood and, uh, you know, that's kind of what we think and we just put God in this sort of place like our, our heaven guarantee and then the rest we do our will, our way. And the folly of that is you were not created to do your will. We were not made for that. Now, here's the second important thing to know. All the benefits 
and the pleasures of life come as a byproduct of doing his will. Did you get that? The pleasures, and there are pleasures in life, and the byproducts, the good things, the happiness, the stuff that feels good, that is, that, that's nice, it's good, all of that is a byproduct of doing his will. Now, if that's true, and that is true, it means when I'm doing my will, my way, how I think, I may well be very much out of alignment with what is his will, his way that I'm supposed to do. See, see, even Adam from the beginning was born to do God's will. And God's will was, don't do this, but you can do these other things and, and, and live under this way that I've made you for because I made you, Adam, and I made everything around you and I know what, what makes Adam happy. I, I, know, I know what gives Adam pleasure. I know what will make Adam a happy Adam. But, but Adam, if you divert from what I've made you for and you do what you think you lose all those byproducts. And now what happens? You're on a quest to find byproducts. You want the byproducts of God's will without God's will. So, you, so you're on a quest for happiness. Well, who doesn't want to be happy? You're on a quest to feel good. Who doesn't want to feel good? You know, you, you, you're on a quest for whatever, meaning and, and what, whatever, but, but it comes, it comes by doing his will. And you've got to have a conversation with yourself and say, well, who, who are you? You know, who are you and who owns you? And who, and who, you know, what are you? Settle that. Decide what you really believe, which might be the Bible or it might be something else. And if you believe that this is true, I'm created by him who I'm going to again soon. I'm created by him and I'm created to do his will. And all the things I want, he'll give me and they'll come to me if I do his will. But when we do our will, you're living entirely contrary to how you were created. Now, you'll spend a lifetime doing that. You'll, you'll, spend a, you'll spend a lifetime on a quest for something you cannot find. Or you think you found it, but it quickly dissipates. So we're taught, and all of this you, we know, but we just sort of pass over it. We're taught to pray... Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, in heaven now, God's perfect will is being done. There is nobody not doing the will of God in heaven. Heaven does not have an obedience problem or anything like that. It's in full alignment with God's will. 
And by the way, it's a place of joy, joy. And, we, and so he said, you pray, you pray that his will will be done on earth and, and in you, because you're on earth, in the same way it's done in heaven. And, and what I'm saying is, he's tried to tell us it's his will. It's getting into alignment with his will. So God has a will about what he wants done on earth and God has a will about what he wants you to be doing. And so, so the earth that we live on was created with a divine calendar. And it's not, the to- it's not what you're being told. It, it, it was created 6,000 years ago. <laughs> See you in just a little while. See you in just a little while. Why doth the heathen rage? The earth was created 6,000 years ago. Not pick a number. Because they just change, it doesn't matter. Pick one. Pick one. Doesn't matter. What's a few, you know, either way. Million, billion, 60,000, whatever. No, 6,000. How do you know that? It's clear in the Bible. It's clear. Well, I don't believe that. You don't believe the Bible. See, I believe the Bible. And the people who laugh and don't believe the Bible will believe the Bible one day. But it will not help them. It will not help them. Don't don't worry about the scoffers. Don't worry. They've they've just been brainwashed. They don't even know. 6,000 years. Why 6,000? Because he made the earth in six days. He rested on the seventh. It's 4,000 years before Christ, 2,000 after, a 1,000 millennial reign. God had a calendar from the earth from the beginning. It was, it was, it was right there. It was never going to go on forever and ever and ever. It was a, there's a calendar. There's an earthly calendar. And it's coming to an end if you work out where we're at. Okay. So, so, so God has a plan for the earth. It's happening in some way in Israel right now. Things are falling into alignment right now, more, more, more so than even before. Okay, so we know that. Uh, but God has a plan and a will for you also. The will of God has two components. We have something we call the general will of God. The general will of God are things that every Christian should do. So, so there are things we have in common. It's it, 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 like a, we, we all are supposed to, you know, do some things, believe some things, obey some things. There's just some things we're all supposed to do. And there's lots of them, and many people aren't even real good at that part. It's a general will of God. It has to do with what you do when your enemy smites you. It has to do with what you do when people despitefully use you. That's all there. It has to do with all the areas of what, it's all laid out. And it's, it's true for every Christian. So we can say we're all supposed to do that. Well, well there's, there's a, that's a big step right away. If you don't know God's specific will for your life, you do know his general will. Don't tell me right there you haven't got something to work on. Don't, 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 don't tell me right there that that's not a, a big thing right there. Okay. How, how about this? You're not supposed to lie. 
about anything. You know, everybody lies. What, what if you just made a commitment to telling the truth and if you couldn't tell the truth, you didn't want to tell the truth, you just don't say anything. Or you just say, I don't want to answer that. Or I, I don't want to talk about that. What, what if you so believed in telling the truth you actually did? What if, you, what if you guarded and were careful and you listened to what you said? And if you just started that way? And, and then the inner you would start to say, you know what? I believe in you. You have integrity. You're, you're, you're actually somebody. You always tell the truth. And you'd start to believe in you. And, 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 you would, and you'd start to... You start to some things that start to change, and you just and you start to do some things, and you you give your tithe and nobody knows, and it doesn't matter because you weren't doing it for people, you do it for the Lord, and you just you just start to do some things, and and you know everybody stumbles and everybody falls, and this is not about judgment, because if we're going to judge, well, God, you know I better step down, I shouldn't be up here. It's not about that. It's about understanding. It's about me working on me and you working on you and the general will of God. I'm a Christian. I don't sit at home on Sunday. It's the first day of the week. He rose from the dead the first day of the week. We're supposed to remember him. He instituted the local church. I'm supposed to be in church. Now, you don't have to go three times. You don't have to go four you know, you don't even have to go to if you don't want to, but you're supposed to be in the Lord's house, if I can use that. You're supposed to be gathering at least on that time each week, right? That's the general will of God. There's a whole lot of stuff like that. And then you get to his specific will. Now, his specific will has to do with the things that he's going to ask you to do. And that's going to have to do with who you are what you do, where you are, uh, what, per, what kind of person, what your gifts are. But it's, not, it's very different for everybody. So I've got to tune into his specific will uh, in part as a missionary in Thailand. And then further than that, I'm now in Nakhon Sawan. I've got to keep asking, well, God, what do you want us to do here? And, and the Lord might say, okay, Wayne, it's time now to, to start doing this thing. We're going to do this program. We wouldn't, you know, I want you to to do this and, 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 and you know you can balk at those things because you can say well I don't feel ready or, or um, I don't know what to do or is that even going to work or I mean we can all raise objections with the will of God without us even knowing we're doing it but my job if I'm going to do the specific will of God is to ascertain the direction he's leading or the things he's saying or what he's showing, and then follow through with that. That's how you do the will of God. Right? So you have the general will of God, do the things in the Bible. Be kindly affectioned one to another. You know, well, I don't get it. Be kind. Be kind. Judge not, lest ye be judged. You know, I, I don't get it. Stop judging. It's, 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 you know it. You, you, you read it, but it just it didn't take hold. The general, and then there's a specific will. So what happens is, as you come into alignment with that, 
blessings and byproducts of blessings appear in your life. And God gives them. My job is to ascertain the mind of God for what he wants me to do. Brother Man saw me, one of it was go to knock on someone. Why knock on someone? I don't know. Pick a city. I don't know. There's need all over the place. What I do know is he clearly told me it was that one. Well, I don't believe that. Well, you don't have to because he probably didn't tell you. But he told me. So I have to. And you say, well, is it a good or a bad place? Well, what's that got to do with anything? Once, I, once he's told me, well, that, it, you know, it's his place. So that's it. Right? Right? Yeah, but, but, but do you think you'll find fulfilment in that? Well, I, I don't know. I'm not really, fulfilment's not my quest. You know, my quest is the will of God. But I do find when I do the will of God, those things do come. But, but, but does it make you happy? Oh, I don't know. Maybe or not. I don't, I don't know. But it's not decided on happiness. It's revolutionary. Getting into alignment with God. And as you do that, everything changes. You die to you. Die to you. You know what? You're not good for you. Hey, hey, you know what? You failed you. You failed you. You delivered bad results for you. You need to fire you. You, you, you shouldn't have a job with you anymore. You, you, you has not done it well. It's time to give you the heave-ho. Okay. And say, it's not, it's not going to be me anymore. It's going to be him. And, 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 and I don't care if I don't get told, go to knock on someone, I'll just be kind to somebody and I'll just tell people about Jesus where I can and watch this, I'm going to try really hard to tell the truth in everything because that's, that's honourable, that's right. And I'm going to try to love my wife even when she's not always nice to me because <laughs> when she's nice to you, you can be nice to her. But, but when you've got to love her, when you've got to love people who don't, you know, you know what I'm saying. I mean, it's a new way to live. That's, that's God's will. That's God's will. Do you know what God's family is supposed to be? Oh, yeah, I get it. You say, read your Bible. and No, no, no. Do you, do you really know? Do you know what God said? Look at it, learn it, do it. And, and so that's the first thing. Getting into alignment with God will decide what comes. That's what I'd say to my kids. I'd say you, you live his general will. Right there, that's a big one. Because you're going to have to sacrifice. You're going to have to die to self on some things. You're going to have to shut your mouth. You're going to have to humble your heart. You're going to have to take a few of these when you didn't deserve it. You're going to have to have all of that. So, so start right there. Do that. And then as you are living that, a revelation is going to come about specifics. And, and he's going to start to say some things specifically. And he'll be really gentle with you. And you're trying to do his general will, he already loves you. Because he can see you love him. 
and you and God are going to have a love affair. And God's going to say, hmm, I see. I see what you do for me. I know it's hard. I know, it's hard. I know what they say about you. You just keep going. And then he'll start to reveal the other things. And blessings start to arrive. Blessings. And spiritual blessings. And things start happening and, and things that only God can do start taking place. And, and that's what happens. You get into alignment and then I'll go quick to finish. The next one is your heart. Your heart towards God and towards others. In the verse in 1 Samuel 16, 7 that you know you don't need to look at it, it says, the Lord looketh on the heart. The Lord looketh on the heart. That's what he's doing. He's, he's looking, he's looking at the heart. Now, we don't see hearts because they're inside, so to speak. But God sees them. He's looking at the heart. So, so you have to, you want to have a right heart. Okay. I'm at peace with everyone tonight. Everyone is not at peace with me. I'm just being truthful. Okay. There's, there is nobody tonight that I have anything against that I'm... I feel anger or any malicious thoughts or I just want to give them a smack in the mouth or not, none of that. None. I'm, there's nothing. I'm at peace. Now, if you invert that, I can't speak for them. Right? Because that's their heart and I can only know my heart. Do you know why I'm that way? It's not because they're all good, sweet, kind, lovely people. It's because the Lord has taught me I can't be right with him if I have this stuff inside. And, and I've, got, I've, got, I've got to have my heart right. I've got to have my heart right. And my heart corrects my thoughts. And so if my thoughts go to something unkind, my heart says, don't be that way. You know, we, we ought not to be that way. I say, stop thinking that, don't be that way. Your heart, your heart. You know, God's looking at your heart. Okay. I, don't, I, I don't have to explain my heart to you. You don't have to explain yours to me. But God is looking at all our hearts. Okay. My heart about what I do, where I serve, the people I love, the people I'm trying to help, what I'm doing, God sees my heart. And, and he's making decisions about what comes to me or doesn't come to me based on what he's seeing. That's the second one. Alignment, the heart. Number three, I've got five, I'm done. Faith. Faith is always there. Faith. You've got to get it. You've got to grow it. And you've got to use it. You've got to get it. You've got to grow it. And you've got to use it. Because, because faith is how God transacts with us. You know, there are people who are pretty reckless in a lot of areas, but they do have a very real faith. They still get things from God. 
they still get things because God, God responds to faith. He, you, so, you, you know, I know you've got it if you're saved because you had to start with it. Salvation is through faith, right? He, 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 you know, he wouldn't let you see him. I mean, no man has seen God. You had to believe in what you couldn't see. You had to believe in a, a truth that you weren't there to see personally. You're believing in a Jesus that you've never laid eyes on. Yet a lot of you will just well up with tears at the thought of seeing him already, but you haven't seen him. That all came to you by faith. So God will not deliver salvation except through faith alone. It's a requirement. So, so you got it, you start with it. Can okay, I have to grow it? So you grow faith by believing more. You, you, you believe more. And, and, and as you believe more and you, you, and you use that, you, you, you act on what you believe more, it increases. So Jesus said, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. That's very big. All things are possible to him that believeth, if thou canst believe. Mm. So it's there. It can be had. He said it. It's definitely true. It's everything. The only part in that that's me, if thou canst believe. That's my faith part. I've seen miracles. You know how many people I've prayed for that were categorically told it was impossible for them to have a child all over the world? Two last year in America. I mean, I mean, spent their money on everything. Years. Years. Many. I'm talking many. You, you say, so w w why do you mention that thing? Well, it's just one thing, but it's something that God taught me a few years ago and I had faith for it and I saw things and then that grew my faith. So in that area, I have a very strong faith. And so because I have a very strong faith in that area, that area just keeps happening. Now, I, I, I'm, I'm bringing people in who stand up and say, he's, what he's telling you is the truth. Here's my story. It's absolutely true what he said. I mean, still going on, going on. You grow your faith. There's nothing that God cannot do. There's nothing, nothing, there's nothing, nothing. There's no obstacle. Nothing can stand in his way. Nothing. If thou canst believe. Faith is there. 
You've got to have faith to get stuff from God because that's how he gives it. So you get it, you grow it, you use it, and that's how you get stuff from God. And let me give you the last two. Number four is endurance. You've got to keep going. You've got to keep going. You know there are some things on the road ahead of you right now that you have to do nothing more to get but keep going. God put them there already. You don't have to pray them down. You you don't have to do anything. You don't need to do any more than what you're doing but just continue. There are things that come to you if you just continue. They're already on the road. They're just waiting. When you get to that part, you just pick it up. Hey, you're Mario. You just get it. Whoop! And that's it. It's there. God put it there. And all you have to do is just keep going. And whoop! Oh, I got another one. I feel energized. You know? Keep going. Whoop! Wow. And if you... And, Part of it is if you just keep going. There are some things that come to you just because of time, just because you kept going. In Revelation 2 verse 10, we, we read, it's sort of sobering. Well, no, it is sobering. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. I fear suffering, some kinds especially the ones I've tasted of already. I say things like this, oh God, not again, please. Oh God, please, not again. I cannot bear this again, please. I mean, there are sufferings I fear. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison. Oh, prison. That's pretty bad. that you may be tried and you shall have tribulation 10 days talking here's what he says be thou faithful unto death and i will give thee a crown of life faithful what unto death you know what i'm praying now i'm praying it now lord when my hour comes i pray my faith would not fail i've probably prayed it at least a hundred times. When my hour comes, please don't let my faith fail. Be, be, be with me in that hour. Okay, I'm making plans to try to be faithful unto death. And I'm not, I'm not naive about what can happen when your body's ravaged with pain and you get worn down and Sometimes the body affects the mind and, this, and all sorts of things can happen. But he's bigger than that. He's bigger than that. And when you can't carry yourself, he just carries you. He'll carry you. When you can't carry yourself, he'll just carry you. Be thou faithful unto death and I will give thee a crown of life. Keep going. Just keep going. You know, You've been shot in one leg. You've got a busted arm. You know, an eye poked out. Someone ripped off your ear in the last skirmish. Just keep going. 
just keep going. You're psychologically battered. You're mentally scarred. You're shaken. Just keep going. Be thou faithful unto death and I will give thee a crown of life. Endurance. If you'll just endure. If you'll just endure. And the last one, as I conclude, is desire. Desire effects what you get from God. In James 4.2 we read, Ye have not because ye ask not. You know what you'll ask about? What you want. When someone says, oh, I forgot about it, it probably wasn't that big on your want list because you don't forget about things you really, really want. And you'll ask about what you really desire. You'll ask about that. And having a desire, the Lord said in Psalm 81 verse 10, open thy mouth wide and I will fill it. A desire. And and that's it. That's what I say to my kids. Those things. If you can just work on those things, that's how the Lord will deliver things unto you.